0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to the EM360 Podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, the Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. So on today's episode, I'm being joined by Shashi Karan, who is the Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Ariaka Networks. Now, they are a cloud-first WAN company and number one end-to-end managed SD-WAN company that provides software-defined network connectivity and application delivery to globally distributed enterprises. Now, before I bring Shashi on, I want to just give you a little bit of background on my guest. He is a proven executive with over 20 years of experience in business and technology. In his work, Shashi channels a growth mindset and has a demonstratable history of team building using meritocracy, passion, and humility at his core. Shashi has worked in a number of areas, including marketing, sales, business development, and product management at large global companies and smaller startups. So Shashi, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and having a chat with me. Max, thank you for the kind introduction and
1: thank you for having me.
0: I wanted to give our viewers a little bit of background because you are the the perfect person to be speaking to today because we're going to be discussing cloud-first SD-WAN and really how it can be advantageous and just really everything around the one and sd one models. So I feel like a good starting-off point for the podcast is if you could just kind of walk us through, talk about the trends associated with SD-WAN. Why is there so much hype around it? Why should enterprises be caring so much? We've seen this hype
1: over the last several years, and there is a reason why this became one of the most prominent uses and use cases of a software-defined architecture, particularly for enterprises that have multiple sites distributed across the country, region, continent, or across the globe. Over the last decade or so, we've had a tremendous growth of cloud-based architectures. And as applications have moved towards public clouds, hybrid or private cloud models, we have seen this modernization of application architectures happen. And businesses have used this model to really transform themselves to be much more digitally conscious, if you will. So the whole notion of digital transformation has mandated them to move at a much faster pace, be more competitive and really become a lot more efficient. And as they went about this digital transformation journey, most enterprises who were previously connected to technologies such as multi-protocol label switching or MPLS found that it was not possible to get the kind of agility that their businesses demanded with some of these legacy technologies they had their place and time bringing a lot more predictable application performance to the mix. But when these different sites needed to collaborate better, access applications over the cloud, and really connectivity today is the lifeblood of any business, they found MPLS to be a lot more rigid, complex, in some cases costly, and eventually not cloud-friendly. So that's really what gave the opening for a newer concept to step in. And this is where, you know, software-defined wide-area networking, or SD-WAN, came in, which allowed businesses to build, in many cases, an overlay on top of the internet and almost a parallel offering to MPLS, which was more cloud-centric, more agile, and allowed them to move forward very quickly. So that, I think, is the major precipitator The move towards cloud-based architectures and really the complexity of legacy technologies. And as data center architectures became much more proprietary in the context of some of the larger vendors, the most prominent use case then shifted to the van.
0: It's definitely been an interesting couple of years to kind of see that shift and, and how that's all come about. And I'm glad you mentioned the different models in there because... There's a lot of factors to talk about there, and I think it's important for us before we go any further just to break those down a little bit. So if you wouldn't mind just giving us some of the different models for delivering WAN or SD-WAN today, and is there any particular approach that's better than the other? First of all, I think it's
1: important for your listeners to be aware that SD-WAN is not necessarily a standard in the sense that it is not defined by somebody like an IETF or an IEEE. There are some pseudo standard bodies that are dabbling with SD-WAN. But the bottom line is, if you were to ask five different vendors what their definition of SD-WAN is, you'd potentially get five different answers. And that also reflects in their implementation models and the architectures as well. So having said that, I think you can probably categorize SD-WAN deployment models into two broad buckets. One... So from a vendor perspective, we have a number of technology vendors in the industry today who build SD-WAN boxes, software, controllers, all of which go over the van. And they sell it to enterprises who then buy these and go after a do-it-yourself or a DIY kind of implementation model. So this is palatable to enterprises that have the necessary technology expertise in the engineering, network engineering expertise in house, or they end up working with system integrators, but essentially they own this technology and they take ownership of the building, the maintenance, the inventory management and things like that. The second model is a managed services model. And in this case, we predominantly see the telcos and the carriers of the world who have built out global networks and they have a good orchestration management framework. And in many cases, uh, you see them taking technologies from the vendors in bucket one, and then stitching that together to develop a stack that they can then in turn offer to enterprises as a managed service offerings. So these are you know, two predominantly prominent models in the industry today. Now there are pros and cons of both. In the first case, you know, you're expecting the enterprise to have that expertise and the manpower and resources to go build that network themselves. And in many cases, large enterprises end up preferring that. The downside of that is most of these technologies in the box selling SD-WAN space are really geared to run over a good quality internet. So if the underlying internet infrastructure is good enough, then you'd see the performance of applications that run on these networks also to be good. But if these end up becoming global networks where the enterprise has distributed sites and the quality of the underlying internet is inconsistent, then you have application performance that becomes very bumpy. So by and large, these SD-WAN box vendor technologies are really optimized to run in regions where the quality of the underlying internet is good enough and it's a parallel technology to MPLS. In the context of service providers and telcos, they have usually gotten some degree of infrastructure that has a global span. They know how to deliver on SLAs but usually it ends up being a stitched together offering so consequently the experience is compromised. So you end up seeing Global networks being offered by the traditional telcos, but net promoter scores of a lot of these telcos is in the single digits, which means customers really don't enjoy the experience that they're getting with them. So those are sort of the two predominant models that we see in the industry today. And with Aryaka, I think where we fit in is we sort of bring the best of both of these models together. We have our own technology in terms of what we call SD-WAN with the edge boxes. And we have built out a global network of service nodes or points of presence with a technology that is fully meshed layer two. And this allows us to deliver very predictable application performance anywhere in the world on a global basis. And all of this is delivered as a managed service. So it really embraces the notion of cloud-first principles of getting the simplicity, agility, Experience and it's a utilitarian model. So I would say, you know, the the two predominant buckets and then Arika, which is sort of a combination of the two, really taking ownership of the technology and the service delivery and thereby offering a much superior experience.
0: Excellent. No, I think that makes sense. It's, It's always good to have the foundation there as well before you kind of build on it and having that understanding going forward. And you mentioned some interesting points there that people should be looking out for when they're kind of going down this route. But is, is there anything else that you think organizations should be looking for when they're looking for a network as a service vendor? So today, most organizations that are forward
1: thinking really want a consumption model, which means they don't want to be associated with the construction approach where they're sourcing different piece parts from different vendors and maintaining inventory, buying large purchases upfront in bulk. Rather, the emphasis on a utilitarian model where it is analogous to cloud consumption approach. And over the last decade or so, you would see a number of the forward-thinking CIOs embrace this model with both hands. And the approach here is very simple. The whole Purposes is for them to express what their intent is in terms of the kind of connectivity they want, the kind of application performance they want, kind of security posture they want, which clouds they want to interwork with, and set that degree of policy definition, and then expect that network to really adapt to this kind of intent and be able to deliver that in an as-a-service model. So that consumption approach is really where we have doubled down on. And the whole idea is how do you make the network as easy to consume as you would any other service from the cloud? Because when you look at the van, it is a very complex beast. First of all, things like last mile broadband connectivity or different circuits. It's a nightmare for most of enterprises to procure and manage them. That itself is something as traditional as wan doesn't even touch that. Then comes the aspect of what you call as the mid-mile or the internet or the cloud. And here again, it becomes best effort. And then you look at a cloud architecture, the public cloud or a private cloud. Each cloud has its own WAN principle. Each cloud has its own architecture. And different kinds of applications require you know, different kinds of SLAs, latency. Uh, jitter statistics so to stitch all of these things together in a secure way and make it more predictable is really where you look at the whole chain and say where is the weakest link in the chain because the application performance and the user experience really is predicated on the weakest link in the chain so we end up taking ownership of a disproportionate share of the chain and thereby also take ownership of a greater degree of complexity. And the whole notion is, how can you abstract complexity from this very diverse, distributed, heterogeneous, wide area infrastructure with a mixture of legacy, modern, and then really distribute simplicity to the end users. And what we hear from many customers is now they're able to really manage very complex environment with very few people and this allows them to free up resources to focus on more higher value initiatives within their organizations that are more aligned with their digital transformation. The bottom line is most CIOs when they undertake these digital transformation initiatives, they don't realize the importance of the underlying network. And so they go head on into modernizing their application stack, figuring out their cloud posture. And then they suddenly realize there is this small thing called the network that is actually a bit of a bottleneck and it starts to impede all of their transformation initiatives. And then the focus shifts to how can I actually transform my network? How can I transform the WAN? And so once you go through this process of WAN transformation, it really greases the skids for whole impact of digital transformation to take place. And you don't want the 10% expenditure that you would spend on the network to hold hostage the other 90% that you would end up spending on your infrastructure and applications. So that's really the zero-sum game that we want to get into where the network becomes an enabler for the other 90% and makes organizations that much more productive.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I guess my kind of follow-up to that then is cost is such a massive factor when we're talking about this. And it does make sense to kind of have this model in place. But as you say, you've got to make sure that every step along the way is correct. And that goes basically down to the network and having that at a good level. So how would you approach companies who, for say, want to go into this, but they've got issues with legacy systems or they've uh, just got general cost concerns or they're talking about doing it themselves versus choosing a network as a wan how would you kind of dispel those
1: actually it becomes a lot easier with this approach because they don't have to purchase anything so with this consumption approach it's more of an opex model where they subscribe to certain things and periods of contracts are very manageable so the degree of risk that they undertake is vastly reduced versus them investing a lot of money to purchase things in a CapEx-centric model. So in many ways, this is really something that they end up starting to try with 10, 20 sites. If If an organization has a few hundred sites, they do a proof of concept or a proof of value with a smaller subset of those sites. And they get familiarized with this model and they test out certain applications that are critical for them. They reassure themselves that, hey, this architectural approach is something that is suitable for them, and then they go all in. And in many cases, it's a pleasant surprise for them because it's an easy model for them to test and proliferate, but the other is they also get to relinquish some control and start to trust the vendor. Many of our customers have come in with battle scars that they have gotten from traditional telcos where you end up going to troubleshoot an issue and there's just an incredible amount of finger pointing involved. And so when they come to ARIA, they experience this incredible support, which as, as we hear from their mouths firsthand, we don't just troubleshoot an issue. We actually go resolve it, even if it isn't caused by us. And so that's something they actually value significantly because we may not be the ones having the issue, but our support engineers go above and beyond to solve the issue for them and tell them, you know, where problem resides, which in many cases is a big thing. And the other aspect is, you know, because we don't sell our boxes, it's part of the service itself. They don't need to invest money upfront in buying these boxes, maintaining inventory, worrying about version control, patching, security. All of that is taken care of. And we have this automation orchestration engine, which literally takes care of thousands of sites globally. And in that instance, what you see is that we can bring in the intelligence and patterns that we see on a global basis and allow enterprises to become more proactive in terms of problems that they may not yet be seeing, but because we are looking at patterns elsewhere, we can get in front of some of these problems before they even see them occurring in their own networks. And those kind of predictive, proactive ways of getting in front of what is essentially a stoic complex van, then starts to change their thinking in terms of how they end up consuming it. And as you know, most times cost is really in the operational aspects of cost you have 20% capex, 80% operational cost, which is associated manpower, troubleshooting and all of that. And so we take away a a lot of uh, those elements off the table and we see a significantly lower total cost of ownership. And then they end up renewing the subscriptions. So typically we have one to two year subscriptions to start off with, but As a pattern, we see them renewing for three to five years, which means they're seeing incredible value and a significantly lower total cost of ownership.
0: That does make sense for kind of an approach of an organization to take, because as you say, keep the cost down, they don't have to worry about people having issues that they might have had previously. So I think that is a kind of solid way to take it in the future. And it kind of leads me nicely to my wrap up question here at the end of the podcast. I I want to get a kind of overview and where we're kind of looking to go in the future. So from your standpoint, how ubiquitous is network as a service at the moment and how do you expect this to really change in the coming years now? Yeah, that's really a very interesting
1: trend that we're seeing, where there is a significant amount of convergence that's happening and we're seeing a normalizing of different technologies, deployment models, and business models as well. So for instance, You might be very familiar with this notion of multi-cloud, where enterprises want to be in a position to choose the cloud of their choice based on the application preferences and yet get a very consistent experience. So that's one aspect. Then to be able to normalize what's on the edge and what's on the cloud in a very consistent way, whether it be in terms of security posture or in terms of manageability, is yet another trend. So I think in the next few years, you're going to see a lot of this normalization play itself out where an enterprise should be able to choose any cloud, any application at any location and have the expectation that they will have a very consistent experience, whether it be operational or whether it be applications. And at the back end, you're seeing things like IoT, things like the mobile usage, all continue to creep up significantly and you see the shift between public cloud and edge models. So those boundaries are all blurring, and you will see WAN, security, application performance, optimization technologies, cloud, all come together as a means to eventually drive that business transformation that we talked about earlier. And more and more companies, regardless of the geography, are jumping onto this bandwagon, and we'll see data, becoming a lot more valuable as many governments go after compliances data privacy so that is actually going to be something that they will look forward to in in the van being the carrier of all of this data globally and we're seeing technologies come together where it almost becomes invisible right so you want to have that experience without infrastructure that's coming in front of you and the best experience is going to be the one where the van essentially becomes invisible in terms of
0: facilitating
1: that service delivery.
0: That's excellent and to get to that point is crazy and very exciting to see as well to kind of get to that uh, element and you mentioned a lot of interesting points there to kind of keep an eye on over the next couple of years so it's definitely an exciting industry and exciting time to kind of look and see where it's going to progress over the next five and ten years so All I can really say, Shashi, is thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and giving your insights on all of this. It's been really great. Max, again, thank you for having me. We're enjoying being at the epicenter
1: of all of the transformation here. And for your podcast listeners, I would encourage them to go look up our website, www.aryaka.com. That's A-R-Y-A-K-A.com. And I look forward to engaging with some of them
0: in the future. Of course, and uh, yeah, he's 100% correct there. Make sure you do go check out the website because there is a lot to take in and a a lot to kind of learn. And there's a lot of good conversations to be had around this. So I, I hope we get to do this again in the future. Thank you, everyone who took the time to listen to this. Make sure you do go subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasting needs. We'll be back next week with another in the Ask the Expert series. Thank you once again to Shashi, and we'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.